Good morning, church. Please stand. Lord, we're just so grateful to be in your presence today. We come into your house with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise. In your name we pray.
Blessed be God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And blessed be His kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, you all hearts are open, all desire is known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus says, the first commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you. Forgive you all your sins. And through our Lord Jesus Christ, straight you in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. To God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. Lord God, Heavenly King, Almighty God and Father, we worship you, we give you thanks, we praise you for your glory. Lord Jesus Christ, only Son of the Father, Lord God, Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Receive our prayer. For you alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God. Amen.
forsake those who make their boast of your mercy. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Children, if you will come forward. All right. And there they are. Good to see you. You look lovely and handsome this morning, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, all right, if you would all reach out your hands and pray with me as we bless these young children as they go off to Sunday school. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would fill their hearts and minds with the knowledge and love of you, that you would make them courageous in the world, Lord God, wise and excellent all their days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs> Amen.
That's a big crowd. Lesson comes from Ezekiel chapter 33. So you, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, you shall hear a word from my mouth and warn them for me. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the wicked man to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity. But you have delivered your soul. Therefore you, O son of man, say to the house of Israel, Thus you say, if our transgressions and our sins lie upon us, and we pine away in them, How can we then live? Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? The word of the Lord. This morning's psalm is Psalm 119, beginning in verse 33, and we'll say it responsively by the half verse. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Make me walk in the path of your commandments. Incline my my heart to your testimonies. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things. Establish your word to your servant. Turn away my reproach, which I dread. Behold, I long for your precepts. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, it is now, and will be forever. Amen. You may be seated. This morning's New Testament reading comes from the book of Romans, chapter 13, beginning in verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. 
for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly, as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. The word of the Lord. and on our hearts as we hear his holy gospel. The holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We are reading from Matthew's gospel, chapter 18, beginning at verse 12. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does, not, does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, assuredly I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the ninety-nine that did not go astray. Even so, is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish? Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear... Take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. The Gospel of the Lord.
that as you promised in your word that you would be here with us, we thank you, Lord, for being here, for meeting us here today, Lord, for speaking to us, Lord. I pray that you give us ears to hear and a heart to receive the word that you bring. Set us free, Lord Jesus. Let your love flow out. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. You may be seated. So excited to have you here today. We have some visitors from South Carolina. Very nice to have you. Father Drew's family is here. Jesse and Elizabeth, right? Very good. Easy to remember. My son's name is Jesse. So, And my daughter's name is Elizabeth. So it works out. I should remember that. I really like watching... This May family walk in. Their son just led you right up to the front row. I thought that was really nice. You just followed right along. Like, well, here we are. <laughs> he just walked right up there and sat down. This is where we are, Dad, right here. Okay. I'm excited. That's very good. Glad to have you guys here. Um, we're having for a little fun ride today. I took my notes and I shuffled them up so we could make it interesting. We'll see how that works out. <laughs> She just renumbered it. I'm like, Lord, you're changing things. So, you know, I taught this at the 730, gave this word. And I thought, I think it needs to be different. So I shuffled the paper. So it's definitely going to be different. <laughs> um, last week in our lessons, we talked about, uh, in the gospel lesson, there was this, this great story. And I talked about it at the 730 last week. And so it really struck a chord in me, this whole concept of, uh, uh, you know, Jesus Ask the disciples, who do men say that I am? Like John the Baptist or Elijah or a prophet. So who do you say that I am? And Peter, bold Peter says, you are Christ. You're the Messiah. And Jesus is like, God, flesh and bone did not reveal this to you. <laughs> this was my father in heaven who revealed it because he knew you know, our own limitations, uh, especially Peter's. And he said, my father in heaven revealed this to you. And he said, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And that revelation of Jesus being the Messiah, God himself entering into flesh, is the foundation of our belief. That he really was God in the person of Jesus Christ. And so then he, he just established that. And then he goes, and the lessons last week started from that time on. So there was a real, something shifted. And Jesus started to teach the disciples what's going to happen to him. He's going to be arrested. He's going to suffer. He's going to be killed and then raised the third day. And Peter, being the spokesperson and the guy in charge now, says, oh, no, Jesus, that's not what's happening. (laughs) Funny thing, right? Peter had this understanding. He's the Messiah, and this is how it's all going to work. And Jesus came in and said, no, Peter, get behind me, Satan. He says, you're going to have to. What he said was, he goes, if you want to. Follow me. You're going to have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. If you want to save your life, you've got to lose it. And I'm sure Peter and the disciples' mind was just blown, right? Wait, what? I don't understand. You've got to suffer and die. And then if you want to save, I don't understand this. And there's a phrase, uh, uh, cognitive dissonance. And it's a psychology phrase. It talks about, like uh, uh, Lewis gave me a simple example. You walk into a room and you turn on the light and nothing happens. The light should have come on. Something's wrong. Another example, my beautiful daughter, Madeline, who stepped out. It's 90 degrees in here, and she wore a sweater. I, I don't understand that. I, that cognitive dissonance. 
Uh, well, in this case, the disciples face up with cognitive dissonance. Look, Madeline looked great, by the way. It was a nice look, but it's kind of hot. <laughs> and so they have this con- they're trying to figure this out. Well, today in the gospel lessons, Jesus takes it to the next level. And I say it's the next level. As we dig into it, you'll understand uh, what I'm saying. Jesus tells them, says, now, you've got to forgive others. Whenever they sin against you, whenever they offend you, you've got to forgive them. And he goes into detail. You must become like a little children and stuff. And then today he goes into the whole concept of the hundred sheep. And it's kind of an example of this principle, right? How does this work? What do you mean, Jesus? And he says, you got a hundred sheep and one strays. Disobedient sheep. What are they running away for? This is where the herd is. But he says, the shepherd goes after him to find that sheep and leaves the other 99. And he goes to get, and when he gets it, when he finds that sheep, he rejoices over that sheep more than he does the 99 who didn't stray. Makes you wonder, is that really what I would do? That sheep deserves a spanking rod for straying. <laughs> That's true, right? All you dads are like, it's, it's funny, I heard a, a, a picture, a, an analogy of a church, and said there's, there's more of a female mind or the male mind. It says the female, the mother's mind is kind of like, if a kid's running and he falls down, you're like, oh, poor baby, let me get you a band-aid. The dad's like, I told you not to run. <laughs> That's the mindset, right? And so there's this concept of I told that sheep not to stray, and he strayed. But Jesus goes after him, and he's trying to teach them something, right, about how there's something important about going after those who stray and having the right attitude towards them. Forgiving someone who doesn't deserve it is hard to do. Sometimes they've done something that hurts you and the wounds are very deep, very personal, betrayal or, or whatever, and it's hard to forgive them. And yet Jesus says that in the, the gospel lesson after this section today goes in, Peter actually asked Jesus, because the whole chapter, the whole section right there, Jesus is talking about this. And Peter goes, and according to the law, he says, Lord, how many times do we have to forgive them? Seven times? Jesus goes 70 times seven beyond what you, you've got to forgive them completely. Very interesting, right? Very hard. And the reasons, one of the reasons, I'm going to go over that today. One of the reasons that we forgive others is for our own benefit. Unforgiveness is unhealthy. It affects you body, soul, and spirit. I was, uh, I mean, one thing Jesus says, if you don't forgive others, I can't forgive you. I won't forgive you. The Father in heaven says in Matthew 6.15, If you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. We pray this every week. should pray it every day. Our Father in heaven, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Okay? I was reading this website talking about unforgiveness. And it's like a Christian counseling kind of thing, but they had some good insight. So I'm going to read this to you just as a, to give you a picture. Just as a physical wound becomes infected if left unattended, so an emotional wound can become contaminated with feelings of resentment, bitterness, and revenge without the healing of forgiveness. Often, instead of choosing forgiveness, we drink the poison of unforgiveness. You've heard that phrase, right? Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. It doesn't work. She goes on. She goes, unforgiveness comes to affect your judgment and perspective because you view the world and yourself through the lens of hurt. 
You perceive every wrong you encounter as a personal offense against you. A sensitivity towards rejection starts to develop, and you expect not only the offender, but also others to dismiss you. Now listen to this. Pain becomes the identity of the unforgiving person. Your whole perspective is clouded, and it affects you body, soul, and spirit if you don't forgive. I don't want to go around being pain beyond my identity, right? I want to be free of the bondage of unforgiving and of bitter spirit. I believe that if you have unforgiveness, you open yourselves up to spirits of resentment to come in, where that enemy starts whispering in your ear all the time. See? You see how he looked at you? And you become offended at everything. I had a pastor in, uh, when I was in college, and he made this statement. It was a very profound statement. And he says, on his own experience, looking through the Bible, he says, in reading the Bible, I have not found anywhere that gives us a right to ever be offended. But, but, but he goes, your life is not your own. You were bought for a price. It's Christ in you. You don't have a right to be offended. And we'll talk about that more later. But that's kind of a heavy thought. And I've meditated on that since then, 30 plus years. And I've tried to not be offended. What's that phrase? Be like a duck. The water rolls off your back. Just let it go. Don't get offended. They probably just had a bad day. There's a lot of truth to that. It may not be about you. I said that one of the reasons, a second reason, the first one was for the benefit of ourselves. The second reason will be for the benefit of those who are offending you. We're supposed to love our neighbors. Today's gospel talks about the hundred sheep. Remember what Jesus said about the one that he found? That if he should find it, assuredly I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the ninety-nine that did not go astray. Even so, it is the will of your Father who is in heaven that not one of these should perish. He doesn't want even the little ones to perish. In Romans, today's reading, it says, Owe no one anything except to love one another. Verse 10, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the love of the law. This love that he's talking about, oh, no one, anything but to love one another, it really affects us here in the church. We need to love our neighbors and those who sit here. The scripture actually says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another, and especially your brother and sister. That's how they'll know who we are, because of the love we have for each other. And that love includes forgiveness. I was reading, you know, in Romans, he talks about what do you do if someone offends you? And it's like I was reading this commentary, and I really like what he says here. It gives three paragraphs about how do you handle this, this commenting on this specific passage in Romans. And he goes, it would be wrong for anyone to take Jesus's word here as a command to confront your brother with every sin they commit against you. That's not what he's saying. (laughs) Oh, I got to confront you now. You blew it. (laughs) 
You know what I'm saying? The Bible says we should bear with one another and be long-suffering toward each other. Yet clearly, there are some things we cannot suffer long with and must address. Okay, and that's what we're talking about, what Paul's talking about in Romans. Second one. We can say that Jesus gives us two options when your brother sins against you. You can go to him directly and deal with it. And the whole, it's all laid out in there. You don't go, you go talk to him directly. Or you can drop it under Christian long-suffering and bearing with one another. Other options, holding on to bitterness, retaliation, gossiping, those are not allowed. Lastly, this quote from C.S. Spurgeon. (laughs) I think it was 19th century, early 20th century. We must not let trespass rankle in our bosom. It's kind of an old language. (laughs) We must not let trespass rankle in our bosom by maintaining a sullen silence, nor may we go and publish the matter abroad. We must seek out the offender and tell him his fault as if he were not aware of it, as perhaps he may not be. I thought, oh, man, I've seen that. I offended somebody here at church. They're not here anymore. But they got upset and didn't tell me. They went and told a priest or somebody else, right? I had no idea that I had offended them. But as soon as he told me, I was heartbroken. I went to them and apologized. And I said, I, yeah, it may have been a careless statement. I don't remember what it was. But it was something that offended them. And I did. It was not. So we cleared it up really quickly. And they forgave me. But I had no idea. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes they're not giving you an ugly look. They may just have indigestion. <laughs> you don't know what's going on inside people's hearts. You know, there's one quote that says, Be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. Don't assume they're thinking bad of you. <laughs> they may have their own battles going on. This also extends in terms of forgiveness. You forgive for your own sake. You forgive others for their sake. Sometimes we even have to forgive ourselves. And oftentimes that's the hardest, because we disappoint ourselves. I'm better than that. (laughs) Maybe not. But you have to learn to forgive yourself. God's grace extends even to that. So in that case, it's the benefit of you and you. Another thing we have to forgive is we have to forgive others, those who are outside the church. Not bear a grudge against those out there who are sinners, just like we were once. Second Peter says, Second Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance which echoes what we read in Ezekiel today. God God doesn't desire the death of a sinner. He wants them to come to him, to repent and to earn him and to receive redemption and forgiveness. He desires that for all of creation. I, I Just a thought. I, he may desire that for the devil and all the demons. He would rather they repent and return to him than go to hellfire and damnation. That's God's nature. That's his love. That's what he wants. And we need to remember that towards those outside the church. Even though they can be very ugly, they can be attacking us, you still got to look at them with love. 
use wisdom, but, you know, discretion, but you still got to love them. You got to pray for them. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, Paul writes, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. If God so loves his children, then we should love them also. We need to see them as God sees them. What's the, how does God see the world? For God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son for every one of them. If, if people are out walking in sin, if they're lost, and they're, what generally happens, they hurt other people because they've been hurt. They've been wounded somehow. And this is their response. Now, it's not an excuse. They don't get off with hurting others just because they've been hurt. They still can't do that. But that's a lot of the reason why. And when you forgive them and show them that love, oftentimes something can break. That witness of God's love towards them could possibly set them free. That's what we're encouraged to do in Ezekiel. Hopefully, the wicked person can turn to the Lord. Bishop uh, Barron, a Catholic bishop who does this little teaching thing, video that he does every week about the readings. And I like to go to it because he's got interesting insights. But he says this one quote. He, he's, he's talking about different things, but he gives a quote for love. And the quote that he says for love is, love is willing the good of the other as other. Willing the good of other. I want good for them. The sin that they're in is not good. I want them good. There's only one way to have that kind of love towards those. Well, it's really only one way to have love for my neighbors here. No, you guys are pretty easy to love. (laughs) There's very few people in here that annoy me. Most of them sit with me on my road. They're little kids. (laughs) I'm teasing, Madeline. I already talked about you so I can mention you again. (laughs) Your children can annoy the heck out of you. That's okay. (laughs) The only way you can love, like what I'm talking about, including forgiveness, is only by the grace of God. Fortunately, we have the grace of God, and we have Christ in us. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, first letter, and, it's, and I'm talking about, you know, I mentioned cognitive dissonance. There's a lot of things in the kingdom of God that causes cognitive dissonance. The first shall be last. If you want to be the greatest, you've got to be the servant. Wait, what? That's not what the world teaches. That's not what I feel. I've got to forgive him? He's a dirtbag. You've got to forgive him. I'm not pointing at you, Phil. <laughs> Some other guy. Some... In 1 Corinthians, he says... The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. That's why it's cognitive dissonance. We're thinking in our natural mind. These have to be spiritually discerned. So how do we get there? Because it says, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have Christ in us. And we have the mind of Christ that can give us insight can help us 
and give us grace in order to love, in order to forgive. Now, like I said, sometimes forgiveness is really hard because it was very personal. Your close friend betrays you. Something happens, right? Uh, Canon Gary Hennizer, uh in our seminary class, he taught us this, this principle about forgiveness that he had learned in his own experience. He says, you just, every day you get up and you say, I choose to forgive. I will to forgive. Whether you feel like it or not, I will to forgive. I will to forgive. Over time, the grace works down in you. And you allow that healing to come in so that the forgiveness becomes complete. But you have to choose. You have to make a decision. We don't live by our feelings. We choose to forgive. In dealing with these sinners out there, there was another Spurgeon quote that I thought was pretty good. Oh, how we ought to love sin. You can tell this is the late 19th century, early 20th century, and he says this. Oh, how we ought to love sinners, since Jesus loved us and died for us while we were yet sinners. We must care for drunkards while they still pass around the cup. Swearers when they, while we hear them swear. <laughs> we must not wait till we see some better things in them. We must not wait until we see better things in them. But feel an intense interest for them is what they are, straying and lost. Go for that lost sheep. We need to pray for them. We need to love them. We must see them not just as we see them, but as God sees them. That love and that forgiveness towards the world out there will testify to God's goodness and mercy and will draw them to the Lord. That's how you can be a witness. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. Like I said, I talked earlier about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God and the principles and everything a part that we're a part of, it's going to win. It already is winning. But there's ground that has to be recovered, that the enemy has stole. And we're living in occupied territory, as C.S. Lewis has said. And we need to advance the kingdom. And we need to live these kingdom principles out in love and forgiveness and mercy and helping each other, loving each other enough to confront them and say, listen, you have a problem here. Let me help you. You've got to love someone enough to do that, to be the watchman. And if you do that, you will expand the kingdom of God. We have a responsibility to establish the kingdom of God here on earth And through God's guiding and his power and grace working through us, this is happening as we speak and as we walk in his forgiveness. There's a promise in Habakkuk uh, and in Isaiah, actually both of them. He said, they shall neither hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We will get the land back. We will win in this thing as we continue to walk it out. But it has to be Trusting in the Lord's power, in his grace, in his guidance. And trusting in him that even when it doesn't make sense, you hear and obey and you walk it out. I choose to forgive. I choose to love. Amen? Amen. Please stand.
I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, and pressed in and for our salvation, came down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again, in accordance with the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. If I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken to the prophets, and I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, I acknowledge one baptism for remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead in the life of the world to come. Amen. Brothers and sisters, God has promised that where two or three are gathered together in His name, He will be in the midst of them. Therefore, let us bring our request before Him. That the patriarch, all bishops, priests, and deacons, will continually speak the word of the Lord with all boldness as watchmen over the house of God. Lord, in Your mercy that world leaders will model the mercy of God in governing their people. Lord, in your mercy. That artists, authors, entertainers, and producers will use their talents to glorify God and foster righteousness in the hearts of their hearers. Lord, in your mercy. That we will earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit and use them for the common good. Lord, in your mercy. That those who have been devastated by war, famine, or natural disasters will, through the compassion of the church, experience the mercies of God. Lord, in your mercy. That those who are near death will be comforted by the promises of God. Lord, in your mercy. For our own special intentions. Lord, in your mercy. You hear us. Hear us, O Lord, and answer our requests as they conform to your holy will. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Peace of the Lord be always with you. And with your spirit. You turn and greet your neighbor with the peace of God. Wait, what did I do?
Okay, uh, this, this announcement is for the men of the church. Um, and I was reminded when I was in Costco yesterday and saw the Christmas ornaments already out <laughs> that we need to start thinking of colder months uh, ahead. And there's a men's retreat coming up November 9th through the 11th. Please put it on your calendar. Please come. God will move in your life at that retreat. Amen. So write it on your calendar. I'll have details on cost and time and all that. But it's the 9th through the 11th of November. Amen. All right. <laughs> yes, I got, I got a request. I need somebody to help out tomorrow for the society. There's a food pickup at FAM, and I need somebody... Yes. Oh, the guy's moving to Europe. So we need Mondays, not tomorrow. Okay, I misunderstood. I thought it was tomorrow. Okay, yeah. So uh, talk to Phil. If you have an opportunity on Mondays to do a food pickup, we need that space covered. It's September. Our biggest thing this month is feast. Why? Because it's 50 years. And if you look around in this community, there are people that have been here the whole time. Yeah. Young at heart, as always. So this is a big deal. Uh, Big deal for us. It doesn't happen every day. So I want everybody to be prepared to celebrate 50 years of St. Michael's on the 24th lunch. The 24th, right after church. And all these celebrations, we have other things going on that we're celebrating around that. In order to get ready for that, men are going to meet the day before Saturday so we can set things up, the heavy things. We need to move things. That's what men do. So uh, we'll be doing that the Saturday before. And the Friday after is movie night. Movie night as the celebration continues. And so put all those things in your calendar. It's a week of celebration. And also, is this starting today, dance? Yep. Today. Dance starts today. Bethany right there leading the charge. So we are grateful for all that. If you are a young lady wants to be a part of the, the dance, praise dance, yes. be here today. Yes. Amen. Amen. Let's pray for our tithes and offerings. Thank you. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God. Let us with gladness present the offerings and oblations of our life and labor to the Lord. starts to break, declaring their 
confess Jesus Christ is our Lord the Lord be with you with your spirit lift up your hearts we lift them up to the Lord let us give thanks to the Lord our God it is right to give him thanks and praise father all-powerful and ever-living God we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord through his cross and resurrection he freed us from sin and death 
and called us to the glory that's made us a chosen race, a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a people that are set apart. Everywhere we proclaim your mighty works, for you've called us out of darkness into your own wonderful light. So, with all the choir of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory, and we join in their unending hymn of praise. fountain of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them, so they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he's given up to death, the death he freely accepted, he took bread and he gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he said, take eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup, and again he gave thanks and praise. He gave the cup to his disciples, and he said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim this mystery of faith. Christ Christ has died. Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread and the saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and to serve you. Humbly, we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our patriarch Craig and all of our clergy. Remember, especially those who are sick and firm with spirit, soul, or body. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken. And as we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Lord, have mercy on us all. Lord, you've made us worthy to share eternal life with the Blessed Virgin Mary, the mother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Joseph, her husband, and with the apostles and martyrs, all the saints who've gone before us, may we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God and Father, now and forever. Amen. Now as our Savior has taught us, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are they who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us the gifts of God for the people of God.
Praise be to God. Praise be to God. You know, forgiveness is what uh, what Jesus really came for. He came to bring man back into reconciliation. And uh, he really, really wants you walking in every, every portion of forgiveness. He wants you to forgive your neighbor, those who may have offended you. But you know what? More and more every day I'm dealing with people who haven't forgiven themselves. That's terrible. That's terrible. That's, see, the enemy wins. And you think he wants the enemy to win? Now, if you want to fight for the Lord, you stand in forgiveness every day. Now, we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Every morning I go and I start the day. Asking for his forgiveness. And I walk in his forgiveness then. And it gives me the power to continue on. God loves us. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you've graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body. Send us now in the world in peace. And grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell, Satan, and all evil spirits who want to use world seeking ruin of our souls. The Lord be with you. With your spirit. Our help is in the name of the Lord. The maker of heaven and earth. Remember the gospel God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world himself, not counting men's sins against them. God loves us. He's forgiven us. He's not mad at us. Best of all, He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen. Rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah.